0: Bibles, and we're going to have our uh, our uh, declaration that we make prior to the sermon beginning together. It's written right up here. I'm going to read it along with you. Would you read it out loud with me? Here we go. Get your Bible. You can put it over your heart if you'd like. This is God's written, living word to me. What He thinks about me, it reveals who God says I am and tells me what God says I have. Because it's how God thinks. I choose to believe and act on what I'll read, and thus I am transformed into his likeness. Amen. And that is what our whole message today is going to actually be about. But before I start into the message, which will be part three on entering your rest, I have some words that I believe and some encouragement from the Lord. So you're just going to have to listen. It's not written anywhere but in my own little this. So here are some things I heard from him about us. There's a shift taking place now. You know by the way, whenever you get that, I mean, it's almost always a shift taking place and change taking place because we move from season to season. But sometimes he chooses to mention to us, there's a shift taking place. It's like shifting from second to third gear. Things are going to run a little faster, but they're going to run a little smoother and not so much effort. It's not going to take so much effort to get up to speed. That's good. good. Wow. He's pruning. But don't be quick to say, oh, this and that was wrong. That's why he's pruning. No, the reason he's pruning is because the season is changing. What was, was good for its time. And it bore fruit. But it's time for the next season and to bear more fruit, fresh fruit for this season. And actually, if we're in the pruning stage, the new fruit is a little ways out yet because we're in the pruning stage. So he's pruning us that we might bear more fruit. So here's the thing. Pruning requires us to let go of the past. Even when the future is unclear. Now we think of letting go of the past and that could mean a lot of different things. But one of the things it means is letting go of the good stuff that was in the past season. That day is over, and there's a new way coming. That's a little frightening, isn't it? It's a little frightening that, well, this is the way we've always done it, and it worked, and it was so great. I don't know another way to do it, so what do you want me to do? Well, he hasn't told me yet, but he did say, let go. So you might have to let go and just sit still until he tells you what's next. Another thing, God is wanting to talk to you directly, without you needing affirmation or a word through someone else. Now, you might get a word through someone else, and community is always important. It's a scriptural fact. God believes in community. God's all about community, and community does bring parts of God into our lives. But there's something in particular that he wants you to know for yourself. He wants you to have the unshakable assurance that he Has spoken. So this isn't going to be so you can boast, like to your spouse and say, well, listen, God said so you're tough. I'm not listening to what you say. That's not what this is about, okay? This isn't so you can boast, but instead it's for you to have a quiet and humble confidence in the storm that he has you taken care of. And one last thing. He wants you to know, be not weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Amen. Amen. Our message this morning is called Entering Your Rest, and it's part three, and the title is Unbecoming Who You're Not. Now, I have to tell you that um, the foundation for this message and a great deal of this message comes from Pastor Karen, Master Giovanni. Uh, We were talking this week on the phone, and she mentioned some things from her last Sunday message. I was going, whoa, that's good. Whoa, that's good. I said, could you send me those quotes? And she said, well, let me just send you my message. I said, okay, that'd be great. So she sends the message. Well, yesterday, my husband was uh, not feeling well, and uh, we are not going to continue to pass this stuff back and forth in my house in Jesus' name. (laughs) And anyway, I said, well, you know what? I think I have a message. For tomorrow, and and I said, why don't you just you know why don't you just rest today? And he said, yes, I think that'd be good. And and I said, and I'll get this message ready. So I have to give Pastor Karen. She's a wonderful uh, pastor and minister. Many of us know Dr. John's teachings, but we but you all have never heard Pastor Karen and. Um, She is a wonderful minister of the word, so I have to give her the credit for unbecoming who you're not. So I want you to look at this first slide that we're going to put up, and there's some notes also. Maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. Wow. Everybody say, wow. wow. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> she, she, I think she found that. I, go ahead. You can stand up. Let's say it. Why don't we read it together? Stand up. Yeah, stand up. This is incredible. This is incredible. We strive so hard to become stuff. But say this with me. Maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. You can sit down. Wow. Wow. That's, a, that's it. If we just took those words and pondered them, wow. Woo. There's so much stuff you and I, we have to unlearn. I've been a Christian for 40 years. There's so much stuff to unlearn as we come into these new seasons and new revelations of God. Go ahead and put that second slide up there. So this is what that reminded me of, what Michelangelo said. Every block of stone has a statue inside it, and it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. So it's not about becoming something you're not. You already are. It's just about chipping away the stuff that's blocking it. Wow! Wow. I mean, Lord, sink this in. There's a lot of things I'm going to say today that I don't think we have begun to grasp, some of which you've already heard. But as I was going through this, I'm going, I don't even get this. I know it's true, but man, I don't know it's true. Everything you need to be already exists in you. It's not something you must go get or something you must become. You already are. It's about uncovering and revealing who you already are. The word unbecoming, if you look it up in the dictionary, means this. Unbecoming means it doesn't suit one's character or status. It's something not fitting, inappropriate, unflattering, or ill-fitting. Let's look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 in the Message Bible. This is, man, a scripture I have known almost my entire Christianity. And this is out of the Message. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Now, just wait a minute. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. Boy, doesn't that sound good? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Everybody say unforced. Unforced. Learn the un... How much of your life is forced? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting. Remember, that's the definition of unbecoming. I won't lay anything heavy or unbecoming. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You might recognize this from other versions that says, come unto me, all you who are and, and, and Jeff's mentioned this verse over the last couple of weeks. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my uh, ways are easy and my, yoke, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. You know, when I was first saved, somehow or another, I came to hear this verse. I, I can't remember quite the order of it, but uh, I was a brand new Christian. I had just moved to Denver. I hardly knew anybody. Uh, God gave me this wonderful job that taught me stuff that affected my entire life. But at the time, it was overwhelming because I was learning so much so fast. I worked for three women and in a big company. You all know it as Wells Fargo Bank, but at the time, it was United Bank of Denver downtown. And we were in a special events department where we planned all these events. It required lots of coordination, lots of details, lots of to-do lists. I didn't know how to make to-do lists at the time. I didn't know how to make to-do lists to work for three different people who all wanted something at the same time. And so there was a lot going on all the time. We worked for the president of the company. And, um, and so that was a big deal. I didn't want to mess up, especially didn't want to mess up anything. And... Uh, there was a church, and, and, and Lila and Rick and I have talked about There's a church a block away. It's still there today. It's an old, 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 one of the original churches in Denver. Methodist church a block away from where I worked. And I used to go there at lunch and pray and meet with God. And I know, I believe he spoke this scripture to me while I was there. coming to me, all ye who labor and heavy laden. I will give you this. And I would go and pray because I was overwhelmed. And then I would meet with God there. And then incredibly, I would come back full of peace and details that while they were on some list somewhere that I had forgotten would suddenly come up and get done. Somebody would bring it to me, get it done, whatever, things just would get done. I could rest as I met with God, he took care of my stuff. Now this is a great principle that you can use today But there's even more to this verse than that. I think there's um, things in this verse about learning the unforced rhythms of grace that are all about our identity. I used to teach, one of the things I I first started teaching in the 80s when I began teaching the word, I taught on healthy self-esteem or godly self-esteem, did that for about eight years. And I, and my partner and I, we used to laugh about, you know, first there's salvation, and secondly, there's healthy self-esteem. Because everything is based on how you see yourself. Well, today I wouldn't call it healthy self-esteem. Today I would call it identity. That's a much better way. And while the things that I taught then were true, there are, there's so much more revelation coming out now about our identity and when we are when we know our identity we can rest in it and we walk in the unforced rhythms of grace it's when we don't know our identity that we're always scraping and pushing and pulling and shoving to try to somehow be okay to somehow be enough we think, there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'm not, I don't do enough good things. Well, you know, if you feel that way, how many of you know that you've got a burden that you're dealing with and a heavy weight? But when you understand your identity, how much you're loved, how accepted you are, you can rest from your works. You can follow God. You're going to do some work, but that's different than being burdened with work. The burden of performance that comes out of thinking negatively about ourselves is ill-fitting and unbecoming. They lies and their illusions that we're chasing rather than learning the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse one. Out of the mirror, and I know Jeff has been talking to you about the mirror. I want to mention to you that if you're going to get it on your device, what I would recommend is getting the Mirror Bible app rather than getting the Kindle version. The Mirror Bible app will update as Francois Dutrois continues to write more and more. This version is absolutely life-changing. And if you've been a Christian a long time, as I have, it will undo, <laughs> you'll be undone. Let's just put it that way. It will undo a lot of our misunderstanding of Scripture that has uh, been religious and performance-based. And it will teach you about the unforced rhythms of grace. So anyway, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. As with an athlete who is determined to win... It would be silly to carry any baggage of the old law system that would weigh one down. Make sure you do not get your feet clogged up with sin consciousness. Become absolutely streamlined in faith. Run the race of your spiritual life with total persuasion. Persuasion in the success of the cross. If the cross was really successful, there's no reason to be sin conscious. How many of you know the cross was successful? Okay, we say it, but do we live it? So when I read that verse in other versions for the last 40 years, a common way it was written is it says to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. The way I interpreted that, I don't know how you've been interpreting it all these years, if you've known this verse. The way I interpreted it is that I thought I have to quit sinning. I've got to lay aside the sin that so easily besets me. I've got to quit sinning. i got to put my shoulder to the grindstone. i got to get determined. I've got to quit those bad habits. i got to get my life together. That's what I thought those verses were saying. But that's not quite it. Read it again. Let's look at it. Will you put it back up again? Let's read it again. As with an athlete who is determined to win, it would be silly to carry any baggage of the old law system that would weigh one down. Make sure you don't get your feet clogged up with sin consciousness. Become absolutely streamlined in faith. Run the race of your spiritual life with total persuasion, persuasion in the success, persuaded in the success of the cross. So what it means is exactly the opposite of what I thought it meant. I thought it meant I got to think about sin and I got to get rid of it. Instead, it means, instead of focusing on sin, I'm to lay down the consciousness of sin. You're to lay down the consciousness of sin. My identity is not found in any sin or shortcoming in my life. Wow! And yet, how many of us identify ourselves with what we aren't and how we don't? and what's not enough, and what's not good enough. And that's not where our identity is to be found. Our identity is not to be found in sin consciousness. We're to lay sin consciousness aside. Francois Dutrois has a note in 1 John chapter 2 of the mirror, and there's a slide, and it says this. The root of sin is to believe a lie about yourself. Wow that points to a disorientated, distorted, bankrupt identity. Sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's design, to behave out of tune with God's original harmony. Wow and more wow. Whew. Sin is all based upon a a, a, a bankrupt, distorted view of yourself. Wow. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 in the mirror. The reason I write these things to you is so that you will not believe, is so that you will not believe a lie about yourselves. If anyone does believe a distorted image, to be their reality. We have Jesus Christ who defines our likeness face-to-face with the Father. He is our paracletos, our close companion, the one who endorses our true identity, being both the source and the reflection of the Father's image in us. This is why it's so important to get face-to-face with God and face-to-face with Jesus. Because when you're looking at him face to face, you see yourself as in a mirror. And it chips off some of that stone so that the real you can be revealed, the real you that looks just like Jesus. The key to rest and walking in the unforced rhythms of grace is focusing on our true identity not on failure or inadequacy. When we focus on inadequacy, we're focusing on things that are a lie, a distorted image. Wow. So what is God's image of us? How does he define our image? Isn't that what we really want to know, right? How does he define our image? Ephesians 2.10, and we have a slide on this. I love this in the, in the New Living Translation. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. The word masterpiece means a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. It's an artist's best piece of work. Jeff said this about about Genesis in the last week or two. He talked about how God created man and then rested from his works, as though to say there is not one more paint, brush stroke. There is not one more chipping away. There is not one more anything that I could add to mankind to make them more perfect. We are his best work. We are the creator of the universe's best work. Wow. Wow. You are in his image and likeness. We know that from Genesis, that he created us in his image and likeness. And though sin got in the way, you and who you are meant to be has been redeemed. And now, Colossians tells us, Colossians 3.3, that now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real identity is Christ-like. What you see in Christ is in you. No, no, wait. It is you. What you see in Christ is you. Everybody say, what I see in Christ, what I see in Christ is, me. is me. Colossians 2.10 says you're complete in Christ. Acts 17.28 says, in him you live and move and exist. Colossians 2.20 says... It's no longer you that lives, but Christ who lives in you. And the life you now live, you even live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. Who you are is Christ. What you see in Christ is you. Let's look at John chapter four. I'm gonna keep proving this to you. (laughs) Let's look at John chapter 14. And uh, also John chapter 17. And it's up there on the screen and it says, this is Jesus speaking. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And in John 17, I am in them, Jesus says, and you, Father, are in me. So I want a little illustration. I need three volunteers. There won't be anything embarrassing for you to do. But if I could have three volunteers come up here. Okay, we got number one. Hold that up. That way, yes. Number two. Okay, Angelo. Hold that up. So we have gold for the glory of God. We have green because man comes from the earth. And then Jesus is white and righteous. It was a good idea anyway. It was all the colored paper I had. So. <laughs> okay. So I want us to. Now, would you all fold these in half this way so that we can have that little piece that so that yeah no like this i know this is confusing there we go Would you go ahead and fold it in half for me now we're going to demonstrate in a little kind of a way what we just read he said jesus said you will know that i am in my father okay so jesus if you'll come over here And get tucked away, put the paper inside, because Jesus is in the Father. Thank you. And you are in me, so you go get inside of Jesus. There. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so there we are, all is one. But wait a minute, wait a minute. But I am in you. Well, wait a minute. I think we're going to have to read. You hold on to God. I'm going to move Jesus and man, and now... He's in us. Okay, in God. Okay, wait a minute. Then it says, wait, I am in them. All right. So Jesus, Jesus is in man, and you, God, are in me. Wait a minute. Think about this. Wow. Which one is it? Which one is it? Which one are you? Which one are you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you're this way, you're in God. If you're this, I I don't know. It's all, would you say it's all one? Thank you, the three of you. (laughs) Wow. This is who you are. Now, I'm not saying you are God, but I am saying you possess everything God has because he's chosen to give it to you and me and Jesus. And Jesus gave it to me, and Jesus is in God, and Jesus is in me, and I'm in Jesus, and and I'm in God, and God's in Jesus. And wow, we can't tell each other apart. that's That's where our focus is not on failure or inadequacy. Did Jesus fail? Has God failed? Have you failed? No. That's who the real you is. This this is this is this is the real you. This is why we get face to face with Jesus to find out who the real you is who's underneath that block of stone that just needs to be revealed and uncovered verse John 4:17 in the amplified says in this union and fellowship with him love is completed and perfected with us because as he is so are we in this world in this world not when we get to heaven as he is how is Jesus so are we in this world hard to comprehend An apostle friend of ours who we we look forward to bringing him in so he can minister here and you can meet him. His name is Will Wheat. He has said this, and I have been pondering this and pondering this and pondering this, and I need to continue to to listen to his teachings to get grasped more. But as I was preparing this, I got a piece. He said, Christ is living as us in the world. Let me say it again. Christ is living as us. How can that be? Christ, I mean, if you look at my life, I don't know. How could Christ be living as me? But, he is, but I'm in him and he's in me and we're in God and Christ is living as us. And what I remembered In the scriptures is that Jesus said it was good for him to go away in order that he might send another comforter and it's by the Holy Spirit that we have Christ in us. That's who he sent. So when Christ was in human form, which by the way illustrates that God can live in human form. So when Christ was in human form, he had limited ability. You might say, well, Christ had all ability. No, but he couldn't reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people because he was one man. He couldn't get everywhere there were human beings in his lifetime. But not today. Today, he lives as you in this world, and he can reach all of mankind through us. He lives as you. (sighs) (laughs) You know what? He's here today since he lives as you. He's sitting right here. He's sitting right here. Actually, there's two of them sitting right there. (laughs) He's He's sitting right here. He's sitting right here. He's sitting right there. He's sitting right there. He's, right, he's sitting right there. He's sitting right there. He, wherever you are, that's where he's sitting. Wow! Woo! He's right here, right now, not in some ethereal sort of way, but in a very practical way, right there, right there, right there. Jesus is sitting right there. You know, when, when you don't like someone... Have you ever noticed how, like, if you're going down a grocery aisle or something, and you see somebody that you don't like, and you psh, go the other way, right? <laughs> oh, not you, right? <laughs> or, or if you're mad at your spouse, there ain't going to be no touching. The last thing you want to do when you're mad at your spouse is touch them. As a matter of fact, go sleep on the couch. Or I'll go sleep on the couch, but we ain't touching. <laughs> right? And yet, God likes us so much, He constantly indwells us. How can we not like ourselves when He likes us that much? How can we not accept ourselves when He accepts us that much, that He would never leave us nor forsake us, even on our worst days? God wants you to accept yourself, He does. He accepts you. He wants you to accept yourself. Take a deep breath. If somehow we could get that. Just close your eyes for a minute. God. Say God accepts me. God wants to hang out with me. God does hang out with me. Oof. What do I have to worry about? God's hanging out with me. Just think, if we really could grasp that, we would be walking, not pushing and shoving from dawn till bed, trying to be better, trying to make things work, trying to prove to ourselves I'm okay, or prove to someone else I'm okay. We quit doing that and we would walk and flow in the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a rest in accepting yourself. You are in his image. You are one with Christ. You are his masterpiece. A footnote of Colossians 2.8 in the Mirror Bible says this. Any teaching that leaves you with a sense of lack and imperfection rather than completeness is a distraction from the truth. Okay, think about this. Francois Dutrois said, I, I said this earlier, the root of sin is to believe a lie about yourself. So if that's true, then sin is a mindset. And whatever weights we pick up are a product of that mindset. It's what we believe. Are we believing the distorted view? Are we believing the God's view? So if we pick up these weights that don't belong to us, no wonder we're heavy burdened and laden and and tired and worn out. These things that don't suit our character, things that are unflattering and ill-fitting. And when so... When we're distracted from who we really are and focused on a distorted view, we then present a distorted and unbecoming illusion of ourselves to ourselves and to others. And we begin to believe the illusion that these weights are us, and that's just who we are. When we have this mindset and believe this lie about ourselves, we're living a lie and don't manifest who we really are. So we've got to change our mindset to believe the truth. That's how we unbecome who we aren't. Let me say it again. We've got to change our mindset to believe the truth. That's how we unbecome who we aren't. So let's look at a couple of weights we allow in our lives and some of the lies we allow ourselves to live with. And I believe this is going up on the screen. Number one is... The limitations are expectations that we put upon ourselves. And then number two, limitations are expectations that we allow others to put on us. Remember, these limitations and these expectations are unbecoming, unflattering, ill-fitting things that don't suit our character or status. Let's look at uh, Judges chapter 6. You can turn in your Bible if you want or we have the scriptures on the screen. In Judges chapter 6, we have an example of this with Gideon. Gideon was an Israelite, and he was uh, hiding in the wine press, um, threshing out the wheat. They had to hide because... Uh, Israel was under the oppression of the Amalekites and the Midianites, and they were so oppressive that they had to hide to, to, to thresh out their food so that the Midianites and Amalekites wouldn't come and steal the food. And so here's Gideon cowering in this wine press, getting his stuff done, you know, so nobody will see, it, so that he can get his family some food, and, and the Israelites cried out to God for a deliverer. And so here's what happened in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, this is new. Living's translation and says mighty hero the lord is with you then in verse 14 the lord turned to him and said go with the strength you have and rescue israel from the midianites i am sending you now here's gideon's response but lord how can i rescue israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. In other words, I'm the runt of the litter. <laughs> How can I possibly do anything? I'm nobody. I'm afraid. I'm hide. Can you not see? I'm hiding here in the winepress. I am no deliverer. You must be talking to the wrong person. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon put a limitation upon himself. But that's not who he really was. He had to let go of that limitation. He had to let go of that mindset. He had to let go of that illusion that he perceived about himself and instead embrace his God-given strength and partner with God. So over time, he worked through a process. He let go of this fear And he chose to trust God. He let the old mindset go and chose to trust God. And as a result, he unbecame who he wasn't. He wasn't a fearful thresher of wheat hiding away. That wasn't who he really was. He unbecame that and manifest his true identity, a hero of faith. He became a military leader, a judge, and a prophet. What about, let's look at another example. That's an example of the pressure and limitation you might put on yourself. Here's an example of someone else putting pressure on you. We all know the story of David and Goliath and how all the armies of Israel didn't dare face this giant. And here comes little David, a shepherd boy, and says, I'll go. How dare this Philistine (laughs) come against our God? And so Saul finally said, okay. And in verse uh, 17, verse 38 1 Samuel 17, verse 38, in the message. Then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly bulge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack, and with a sling in hand, approached Goliath, and we all know the rest of the story. When David volunteered to fight Goliath, Saul decided to dress David as a soldier. That certainly must be the right thing to do. Saul had an expectation that his armor would be how David would defeat Goliath, but instead, it was a limitation to what to David. He couldn't fight in that. David couldn't walk. He couldn't move in Saul's armor. It became a weight and. A heavy burden to him. It was unbecoming and ill-fitting. It didn't suit him. So he took off Saul's armor, and because he was a shepherd, he he became who he really was, a shepherd boy with a shepherd's staff, with a shepherd's pack and a shepherd's sling. He partnered with God and was victorious in the name of the Lord. David knew who he was and refused to allow anyone to put limitations on him and weigh him down. He unbecame who he wasn't. So, what about you and me? How will we unbecome who we aren't? Three steps. You want you to want point? You know, you like those formulas? One, two, three, do this, and. Okay, here's three steps. First of all is decide. Make up your mind that you're going to let go of the lies and illusions about yourself that are contrary to your oneness in Christ. That's where we have to start. I'm done with this. I am done with this. I am done with all of this distorted view that God didn't give me. Now, this is going to take the rest of our lives, folks. (laughs) This is going to take every day of our lives because everything about the world heaps on the wrong identity to us. Your background heaps on the wrong identity in many, many cases. If you have a parent that has some bad trait that they then pushed all this stuff down to you, and now you believe the way they treated you about yourself, you believe what they said about you, we gotta get rid of it. We gotta unbecome that. It doesn't belong to you. We gotta decide this doesn't. Belong to me. This is not my image, that's a distorted image. And some of us as adults, I hear it all the time. Go home to visit the parents and hear it all over again. And you have to fight the fight to not feel like that person you're being told you are. But you really aren't. But you really aren't. It is not who you are. Do you know that you're not black or white Or brown or yellow or Asian or African or North American or Canadian or Mexican or South American. Do you know those aren't your your main identity? They're part of your culture, but they're not your main. Your identity is Christ. Your identity is not, well, my parents were controlling. They abused me. That is not your identity. Your identity is you're complete in Christ. You're one with him. You're strong in him. You have everything you need in him. You're perfectly acceptable in him. That's our our primary identity. Okay, so we're going to decide and make up our mind that we're going to let go of lies and illusions about ourselves. Then number two, we've got to declare and speak with our mouth who we truly are. We've got to focus on who we truly are, not focus on sin consciousness, not focus on the distorted image, not focus on the ill-fitting image, focus on the God image. You and I, we are God's best work. We are in his image. So what happens if you start saying, oh, I'm, I'm no good, I'm not this? Are you saying God's no good? Yeah, you are. You don't realize it. You think you're just pointing at you. But if you're pointing at you, who's in you? So stop it. That video. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop looking down at yourself. See yourself as Christ. As you would see Christ, would you not honor Christ if you were looking at him face to face? Would you not go, wow? Well, when you look at yourself, you need to go, wow. Whatever you would say about Christ, say it about yourself. Oh, that's so egotistic. No, that's humble. That's saying the same thing God says. Pride is saying something that God doesn't say. You think you're being so humble when really what you've got is a fault, is this pride thing going on. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the price for my sin by by saying that I'm no good. I just acknowledge it, I'm no good. I'm a terrible person. I, I'm just so sorry about who I am. I'm miserable. I'm just I'm just lazy and I just can't ever do anything right, and I mean everybody knows it. And I know it. And so, you know, I'm sorry for being who I am. I hope you can love me anyway. Well, you know, that's pride talking. That's bringing attention to yourself. Isn't, it's, it's, it, what you got to do is you got to agree with God. That's when you're humble. When I, you got to be humble enough to, to quit thinking you're the one who can make it all Okay. And realize he's the only one who makes it all okay. We boast in him. We boast in him and what he's done for us. And number three, after you declare and you... And you know, a couple weeks ago, by the way, uh, when uh, Dave Powers was here, he brought a list and we do have it if any of you want it. He he said it was 57. I didn't count them. I did start looking through them uh, last night. Uh, He brought a list that you could be declaring over yourself. Of who you really are. Maybe you are. You can go out on the internet. And say who am I in Christ. And lists will come up. You, the first thing on your list should be this. I am God's masterpiece. Amen. And maybe the first thing above that should be. I am one with Christ. And then I am God's masterpiece. I don't know. They go hand in hand. Declare it. And then after that rest. And watch as the Lord works in you progressively revealing more and more of who you really are. It's, you already have everything you need. It's all right there. We're just chipping away the stuff that got in the way of being able to see who you really are. And it's going to reveal. One last thing I'd like to do. This is, and, and it's in your notes because for those of you who don't have the mirror translation, I want you to be able to take this home. I tell you, you have got to get the mirror translation. But I want us to read, and this will remind us of who we really are. I want us to read Colossians 3, 1 through 3 from the mirror. And it will be up on the screen and it's in your notes. Here we go. See yourselves as, co- this is how we're going this is what we're going to believe, this is what we're going to declare. We're going to quit looking at the distorted image. This is the image we're going to see. See yourselves as co-raised with Christ. Now ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion in him. Relocate yourselves mentally. Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand become affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts that will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul-ruled realm. Set your mind upon the things that are above and not upon the things below. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We are not keeping any score of what seems so obvious to the senses in the natural realm, for it's fleeting and irrelevant. It is the unseen eternal realm within us which has our full attention and captivates our gaze. A renewed mind conquers the space previously occupied by worthless pursuits and habits. Gosh, this is so powerful. Your union with his death Broke the association with that world. See yourselves located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ in God. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you, John fourteen twenty. Occupy your mind with this new order of life. You died when Jesus died. Whatever defined you before defines you no more. Christ, in whom the fullness of deity dwells, defines you now. Christ defines you now. The word hidden can also be translated secret. The secret of your life is your union with Christ in God. Risen then with Christ, you must lift your thoughts above where Christ now sits at the right hand of God. You must be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. You have undergone death. And your life is hidden away now with Christ and God. Christ is your life. When he is made manifest, you are made manifest in his glory. The Knox translation. Everybody say, wow. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands.